Book of Acts Christianity. And, uh, oh, I suppose I should introduce myself. That would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> who is this strange bearded chap standing in front of you all? Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jeremy Dore. I'm uh, the lead pastor here at Living Faith. And if this is your first time uh, in, the, in the building, you're very, very welcome. And uh, it's really good to see you. So just to by way of introduction. Um, as I said, we're, we're talking about Book of Acts Christianity. And uh, there's a number of ways that we can, we can look at that. Uh, when uh, Owen asked me to, uh, uh, to take this session, um, I began to pray about it. And the Lord kind of led me to the Gospel of John, which is a bit of a weird place to go if you're looking at Book of Acts Christianity. But, you know, the Lord knows what he's... How many of you know the Lord knows what he's doing? He does. Amen. And in, uh, trust me on that, or trust him on that, as a, as a better one. Um, when we look at the Gospel of John, particularly chapters 14, 15, and 16, we see in those chapters some key instructions and teaching that Jesus gives to his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion. And that teaching and those instructions are things that we see playing out in the book of Acts. So what I want us to do to, uh, this morning for 45 minutes or so is look at some of these uh, teachings, look at some of these instructions that Jesus gives his disciples and see how they play out in the book of Acts and see how we can apply them to our lives. Is that okay? Yeah. That's good because I don't have anything else. John chapter 16. We're going to start at the end if that's okay. John chapter 16 verse 33. Now, let's, let's just refresh, as you're turning there, let's refresh our minds on the situation here. Uh, this is the evening before, uh, well, evening of Jesus' arrest. It's just before he gets arrested. Uh, Judas has already gone to betray him. So Judas isn't part, Judas Iscariot, isn't part of this conversation, isn't part of this meeting. This is Jesus and the 11 disciples that he knows, they don't know it, but he knows are going to make it. Did you know that Jesus knows you're going to make it? Amen. And so he's talking to these disciples and he's giving them some instructions and it's instructions with a purpose. It's teaching with a purpose. And we see this in John chapter 16 verse 33, because he says, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. So everything that Jesus says in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is for a purpose. It's so that the disciples will have peace. Amen. And that word peace is the Greek word irene, and it literally means peace, rest, Calm, quiet. How do we get that peace? What does Jesus say in verse 33? He says this, In the world you shall have tribulation. Thanks, Jesus. It's funny, I've been to many word churches over the years, and not once have I ever come across somebody who has claimed that promise. In this world you will have tribulation. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, but, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
Let's just break that down a little bit. That word tribulation sounds like a very scary word. It literally means pressure. It's the Greek word flipsis, and it literally means pressure. So he's saying in the world we'll have pressure. The way I like to describe it is um, you ever had a, a splinter in your finger, and you want to get that thing out, yeah? And you will exert pressure to, to get it out. Well, Jesus says to his disciples that you're not this world. We're a foreign body, a foreign object in this world. We're not part of this world's system. We're not part of this world's kingdom. Our kingdom is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But the world doesn't like that. The world would quite like it if we went away and left it to its own devices. Amen. But we're not going away. You see, we're not of this world. The world is not our home, but it is our place of work. Wow. I'll say that again. This world is not our home, but it is our place of work. And Jesus talks about works in John chapter 14, and we'll look at that in a moment. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. There's a pressure that the world tries to bring upon the believer to silence them, to stop them from doing what they are called to do. But Jesus says, but be of good cheer. That phrase, be of good cheer, literally means be of good courage, be bold. The Greek word is thosio, and its root is being emboldened. So he could say, he could have, we, the translation could have been, be bold. Be of good cheer, be of good, good courage, be bold. The world is trying to bring pressure on you, but be bold. Why? Because he has overcome the world. He has won the victory over the world. You see, when does peace come? Peace comes after the war is over. Amen. And for the Christian, the war is over. I'll say that again. Some of you are looking at me. I said the war's over. You have peace. The victory has been won. Jesus has won the victory. Jesus' precious blood shed on the cross has won us the victory. And if we're in him, his victory belongs to us. Amen. John 16, verse 33. You see, we as Christians need a revelation. I can remember being at the National Day of Prayer in 2019 in Wembley Arena. It's one of the most consequential, personally, one of the most consequential days of my life. And from a, from a corporate point of view, it was consequential as well. If you cast your mind back to 2009, there's a lot happened <laughs> since then. But if you think, cast your mind back to 2019, there was no pandemic, there was no war in Ukraine, it was Brexit. Brexit was the big thing. And David Hathaway, who uh, is the minister responsible for running the day of prayer, brought ministers together and people together from all over the country to pray, to pray for the nation, not just Brexit specifically, but the nation as a whole. And remember, end of August 2019, Boris Johnson was leader of the Conservative Party and he was prime minister, couldn't get anything done. You remember that? 
Okay, he didn't have a majority. His own party, people in his own party are working against him, blah, blah, blah. Nothing could get done. This is a weird kind of political stalemate. And I can remember people praying, ministers praying on the platform, coming to God, praying for, their, for God to heal the land. That's very scriptural. I can remember Colin Urquhart coming up, and he got hold of the mic with a very quiet authority. He said this. He said, I was talking to the Lord on the way to this meeting this morning. And I said to him, Lord, what, what are we going to do about this crisis? And the Lord said to me, what crisis? There's no crisis in heaven. And he said, he said, by the way, this is online. You can watch this. This is on YouTube. Okay, it's about an hour in to the first uh, video, okay? And it's well worth watching. It's one of the most noisy videos I've ever seen. See, I can still get tingles down my spine thinking about it. And he prayed from a position of peace. You understand me? Why can we pray from a position of peace? Because victory has been won. And we're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, when you have a revelation of that, not only do you have peace, you have boldness. People say, well, you don't need to shout, God's not deaf. Yeah, that's true, but he doesn't have a nervous condition either. We can be bold in our praying. We need to be bold in our praying. As we were hearing this morning, being bold is a feature of the church. It's what the church should be. Praying out of peace. If we turn to Acts chapter 4, we'll see an example of that. Now, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a man, a lame man. At the gate, beautiful. And everybody's happy. <laughs> and everybody says, isn't this wonderful? Well, no. Do you know, sometimes, we, we see this a lot in, in the book of Acts. We see it in Acts 16. Paul casts the devil out of a, uh, of a girl who's following them around. And you think to yourself, that, that, that's a good thing. It is a good thing. But it didn't go down too well with the people who were making money off that girl. See, other people have their own ideas about what's good. And we need to make sure that we are following God's ideas. Amen. Amen. We need to be sure that we're following the program and the purpose that God has given us. So they get arrested. And we see this in Acts chapter 4. Being grieved, this is verse 2, being grieved that Peter and John taught the people and preached through resurrection. They laid hands on them. That's not as in, you know, laying hands on them to receive something. That's laying hands on them as in physically getting hold of them. They lay hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day. It's now even time. So they spend a night in prison. Howbeit many of them heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and 
many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? is a flipped moment. Is this pressure? Yes, it is. They've been arrested, Peter and John. They're standing in front of the most important religious leader of the day, the high priest. And he's asking them this question. How did you do this? By whose name have you done this? By what authority have you done this? Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This was a flipsis moment. And how did Peter react? He reacted with boldness. Why? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. He didn't shrink back from that question. He didn't shrink back from the name of Jesus and the authority and the power that is in the name of Jesus. And many Christians today shrink back from that name. If we want revival in this land, we need to be bold. We need to proclaim the name of Jesus. We need to be honest and open about the, the name in, in which we preach, the name in which we minister. His name is Jesus. Amen. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you see, boldness is something you can see. I said boldness is something you can see. Owen talked a little bit earlier about, about how there's, there's a kind of a cultural reserve going on in, in the UK. It's not of God. But it isn't. We're, we're of a different culture. Our kingdom is different. I know we're living in the United Kingdom. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud to be English. I like being English. Sorry, Dave. Welsh is good too. It is. It's good. I like that. That's okay. But do you know what? Really? Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what kingdom I really identify with? I identify with the kingdom of God. The Bible says that that's the kingdom that can't be shaken. You see, too many Christians during the pandemic—they were shaken. Why? Because they, because they identified more with the country that they live in than they do with the kingdom of God. I'll say that again, I'll say that again because it's worth saying again. They identified more with the country that they live in and the culture that they live in than they did the kingdom of God. And we're called to be bold. Amen. We belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. <laughs> Always makes me laugh. They marveled. So these guys are fishing. But then they said this, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. How did they, how did they know? Well, they kept on talking about him for one thing. They kept, on, they kept on acting like him. They kept on speaking like him. 
They had the same attitude. They had the same routine. Jesus was bold. Oh, yeah, he was bold. Come on. What are they doing? They're seeing that these men have peace. Even in the midst of thlipsis, even in the midst of the pressure of standing in front of a big council of learned men. These people had degrees. Well, they didn't have degrees back then, but the equivalent. These people had an education. They knew the law inside and out. They could debate it. They could knock it back and forth between themselves. They were very studious. They were very scholarly. And these, these men, what did they have going for them? Well, they had the name of Jesus and they had a relationship with him. And they had a boldness that wasn't based upon their external circumstances. They had a boldness that came from peace that Jesus had left with them. Amen. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. <laughs> my peace. If you watch Jesus in the Gospels, you'll see his peace involves things like being asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. When Jesus went to Jairus' house, and he received the, the, the news that Jairus' daughter had passed away as he was traveling to them. Did, did, did he lose it? No, he was at peace. Do you know why? Because he knew exactly what he was going to do. And do you know what? If you're walking in line with the Word of God, and if you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, when pressure comes and things don't appear to be going your way, you'll know exactly what you're meant to do as well. Amen. The Bible says that those who are the children of God, the Spirit of God. And Jesus is our example in that regard. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Oh, hold on. No, we're not quite done with Acts. <laughs> so basically, in Acts chapter 4, Peter's full of boldness. He's full of the Holy Ghost. They see the boldness, and they... They do what people in authority do, which is they, they, they threaten them, okay? And say, don't you teach in, in the name of Jesus. Don't use that name. You can go, but don't use that name. Well, that gives Peter and John and the, the disciples a choice. There's always a choice. And when they go back to their company, on, in verse 23... Being let go, they went to their own company and reported everything that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And I really want you to understand this. What they didn't do is deny what, what happened happened. Okay? Some Christians think that walking in faith means going around with your head in the sand and denying the things that are happening around you. That's not walking by faith. Amen. So they went back and they were very careful to say everything that had been told to them. Verse 24. When they heard that, what was the first thing they did? They said, oh, we're going to have to have a vote on this. We're going to have to uh, call the deacons together. They didn't have deacons back then. It's a, bit, it's a pre deacon age. I know it's a bit hard to wrap your head around, but apparently that was a thing, you know. We're going to call our leadership together. We're going to have a vote. And we're going to, just, we're going to decide what's going to happen. No. The first thing they did was they 
turn their attention to God. Do you know why? Because God is the one who has the final say. God is the one who has commissioned them. Okay? You're not here doing your own thing. You just heard it this morning. We're not here building up our own ministry. I could care less about my own ministry. You understand me? Okay? I'm here to do a job because God has told me to do the job. And that's the same with you. You are here to do a job. Amen. We've got work to do. Like I said, the world is not our home, but it is our place of work. Amen. This is what they pray. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. That's a good opening to a prayer. Right there. What are they doing? They're, they're, they're establishing who's really in charge here. Is it the high priest? Uh, not so much. Lord, you are God. Amen. You are God. Which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in it, and all that in is who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, who now hast appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Do you know what they didn't do? They didn't ask for the situation to go away. <laughs> they didn't ask for the situation to go away. They didn't ask God to, to change the hearts of Annas and Caiaphas and the other high priests. They didn't do that. This is what they did. He said, Behold, their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see, here's the thing sometimes we don't need. We don't need things to be smoothed over. We don't need things to settle down. We just need more boldness. We don't need to make an accommodation with the world that's threatening us. We don't need a quiet life. If you want a quiet life, you came to the wrong place. Amen. Oh, you missed a great opportunity then. If you wanted a quiet life, you came to the wrong place. God has got a job for you to do, and it's going to get noisy. Amen. It's going to get interesting. It is. And that's why we need to walk in boldness. And they prayed for more boldness, and boldness is what they got. Amen. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. He said, I, I've, said the, I've told you these things because I want you to have peace. You're going to experience pressure. You're going to experience tribulation. But be bold because I've won the victory. I've overcome the world. The world that's trying to squeeze you is a defeated foe. Amen. Nothing 
can stop you from fulfilling the call of God on your life. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Philip says unto him, unto Jesus, this is verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. It's enough, just show us the Father. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. And then he says this, verily, verily, I say unto you. Whenever Jesus says verily, verily, that's, that's wake up, pay attention. This is important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. One of the things we need to get our heads around, have a revelation of, renew our mind to, whatever you want to put it, is the fact that the ministry of the church is a continuation of Jesus' ministry. He says, the works that I do, you'll do also, if you believe in me. And greater works than these shall he do. See, I, I've, I've heard, I'm sure you have as well, I've heard that verse explained away beautifully so many times. People say, well, he, he's talking about, about the work of salvation. He's talking about the work of being born again. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I can't get you born again. The Holy Spirit does that. Do you know what's really funny? In Mark chapter 16, he tells you what the works are. Lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Speak in new tongues, cast out devils. Amen. And it's not being nice either. That's not the work that he's talking about. And we have this kind of, again, I think this is a British thing. We, we have this kind of thing, oh, Jesus was nice. Jesus wasn't nice. Where'd you get that idea from? Jesus wasn't nice. If, if, Jesus, if Jesus was nice, he wouldn't have called a Syrophoenician woman a dog. If Jesus was nice, he wouldn't have kicked out the mourners who were mourning for Jairus' recently deceased daughter. He wasn't nice. If Jesus, wasn't, if Jesus was nice, he, he, he would have said to the rich young ruler as he's walking away from him, he says, it's okay, it's okay, come back, work something out, it's fine. No, don't, mis don't misunderstand. Jesus was love. But Jesus was also truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes the truth is something we don't want to hear. Hello? Oh, am I, is that just me? That's Dave as well. Thank you, Dave. 
Sometimes the truth is stuff we don't want to hear. Jesus will tell you what you need to hear. No, the, the works that Jesus wants his disciples to do is not being nice. They're works of faith. They're works of power. They're works of love and compassion. They're works that require boldness. They're works that require stepping outside of our comfort zone and being obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, amen. amen. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we hear of, of things like Peter walking down the road and his shadow falling on people who needed healing and getting healed. Hello? Is, is, is that, a, is that a, a work that Jesus did? Is that a greater work? We, we read of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail at the midnight hour praising the Lord. Well, there's boldness, there's splitness and boldness right there. What happens is an earthquake and all the prison doors, all the prison. See, Owen was talking about this this morning. There's an overspill. When, when, you, when you start moving in the, in the spirit and you start moving in the anointing that God has got for you, there's an overspill. It's not just contained to you. The, the anointing that you've been given is not just for you. It's to release others. I said it's to release others. Amen. And so they start praising in the, in the middle of the night, just having been beaten and put in the lowest part of the dungeon. And what happens? There's an earthquake. Is that a, is that a, a work of Jesus? Is that a greater work? I think it's kind of greater. Amen. What's the key, Jeremy? The key is he who believes on me. You see, it's about time we took God at his word. I said it's about time we took God at his word. Turn with me to John chapter 15. Just very, very quickly. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. This is verse 1. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean or purged. It's the same word. Purges or clean, same difference. How are we cleaned? Are we cleaned by sickness? Does, does, does God send a big load of sickness on us to, to purge us clean us? No. He's, he's very clear about this. Verse 3 tells us, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. See, in Ephesians 5, Paul talks about the cleansing of water by the word. God doesn't need anything else. Can I say, if, if he used his word to create the universe, what on earth makes you think that he needs anything else to clean you? What do you say? He doesn't need anything else to make you fruitful. The word is enough. Some of you are looking at me like, it is. The word is enough. The word is powerful. Amen. 
Powerful enough to clean you up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look at what he says in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. And again, Owen has touched on this this morning. Too many people are pursuing their own dream and their own vision. Too many people want to build themselves up. They want it all, all about them. But listen, we need to understand that if we are not abiding in the vine, that life source that goes from the vine to the branches is not going to flow like it should. And the fruit that you bear is not going to be the fruit that you want to bear. Do you know what brings God glory? When we bear much fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I think the disciples had a hold of that. I think they did. I think they understood the importance of abiding in him and of his words abiding in them. Keep your finger in John 15 and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Again, Owen referred to this in relation to, to unity. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. They, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. What, what do you think the apostles were talking to them about? What do you think the apostles were teaching them about? Maybe they were teaching them about abiding in the vine. Maybe they were teaching them about peace I leave with you. Maybe they were teaching them about the fact that Jesus has won the victory. The apostles' doctrine, they didn't have the Pauline revelation. What they had was what Jesus had told them. And those verses that we're looking at, John 14, 15, and 16, will have been a special resonance for them. Because those were some of the last things Jesus said before he died. Amen. And in verses 42 and 43, fear came upon every soul, verse 43, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. In other words, there was an outworking. That when they continued together in the apostles' doctrine, when they broke bread together, in other words, when they were in fellowship with one another, let's look at that just for a moment. Turn back to John chapter 15. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. As they're meeting together in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 43, as they're listening to the apostles' doctrine, they're continuing in the apostles' doctrine, there is love. 
They are, they are breaking bread together. They are shipping with one another. What, what, what's happening there? There is love. Love is flowing from one to another. See, the Bible tells us that faith works by love. So there's a sense of unity. There's a sense of togetherness. There's a sense of shared purpose. There's a sense of shared experience as they're coming together. And that, too, is part of why you get the signs and wonders. Because they're walking in love, and God is love. As we walk in love, what are we doing? We're showing the nature of God. As we walk in love, it allows the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Amen. I'm going to leave it there. I think what I believe the Lord wanted us to, to get a hold of this morning is that what we see in the book of Acts is an outworking of some of Jesus' teaching in those chapters in the Gospel of John. We see it in terms of faith. We see it in terms of boldness. We see it in terms of walking in love. We see it in terms of fruit. They're putting into practice what Jesus has told them. And they're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the, the, the one thing we haven't really talked about yet. Just turn with me very, very quickly to John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, needs him. You see, we operate on a completely different level to the world. We operate in the Spirit. And he has given us the comforter. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Just as Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. God wants us to have a revelation that he is dwelling in us by his spirit. And for that reason, we can and should and must be fruitful. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that your word is life. And we thank you, Lord, that, that as we concentrate and as we reflect and as we allow your spirit to reveal himself to us, we thank you for boldness to do what you have called us to do. We thank you that we have peace that the world cannot give us. We have the peace of God, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have a, a short break, about 10 minutes or so. Yep, that's fine. Yep. Stretch your legs, and uh, we'll be back with Owen in a few moments.